So I'm going to read from verse 1. This starts from verse 2, but I'm going to read from verse 1. So Isaiah 9. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought, her, uh, brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light, has, uh, light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned for fu as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the govern government shall be on his shoulder, upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Well, I wonder what you think of Christmas, especially in sunny, slightly rainy Bukitinda. Um, when we talk about gloom and darkness, I, I kind of think it's a bit strange compared to when I'm in, in London and in Britain. And I know probably the, the Swedes here will, will realize gloom and darkness, this isn't gloom and darkness when you get uh, three or four hours of, of sunlight during the day and it's, then it's overcast. Um, here we get bright sunshine and light. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? When it comes in the darkness, that light is beautiful. And Christmas, it just suddenly comes on you. Um, and I don't know what you think about, about Christmas. Um, I get a little bit grumpy, especially in the gloom and darkness of London. But uh, it suddenly starts to appear from about late October, uh, early November. All of a sudden, the, uh, the, the shops start filling with Christmas stuff. And all my students start talking about Christmas stuff. So a couple of years ago, I, I told my students on my form that I don't want to see anything to do with Christmas. I don't want to hear anything to do with Christmas until December. And it turned, Christmas, it turned into December just overnight from a Tuesday night to a Wednesday night. And they were good as gold all the way up until then. And then suddenly, my classroom turned into a winter wonderland just overnight. I, I walked in. There was snow on the windows, there were decorations everywhere. All, you know, the, there was a, even when you turned the handle of the, of the door, the wreath went up and down and jangled with little bells. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they were, the, the, that made me smile, that made me feel really Christmassy. There's a wonderful story a couple of years, uh, well, actually, um, in apparently 1948. The British ambassador to, uh, ambassador to Washington, um, 
not quite sure about the truth of it, but it, it is a, ni a nice story. The, apparently, the, TV, the local TV station rang him up and said, what would you like for Christmas? And being a polite, uh, you know, yeah, affable fellow, he, he said, no, I don't really need anything. Um, no, I, you don't need to get me a gift. And, but on pushing, he said, well, if you must, then, then do get me some, uh, a nice box of, a uh, small box of crystallized fruit. He was a little bit surprised when later on he turned on the television and he saw that TV station advertising and, and they said this, we did a little Christmas survey of our own. We asked the visiting ambassadors what they would like for Christmas. The French ambassador said, peace on earth, a great interest in human literature and understanding, and an end to war and strife. <laughs> you can see where this is going. <laughs> then the German ambassador, we asked the German ambassador, and he said, a great upsurge in international trade, and uh, ensuring growth and prosperity particularly in undeveloped uh, countries. That's what I wish for Christmas. And then we asked the British ambassador, and he said he would like a small block box of crystallized fruit. Well, I'm glad I'm not a politician, because I wouldn't be able to answer those questions. Um, but as we look at the world today, isn't that what we cry out for? Peace on Earth. We can't help but be struck by what a terrible state this world is in. Current war zones include Iraq, Afghanistan, Nigeria, and Syria. Minor conflicts that are considered dangerous are much more numerous and include Israel and Palestine, internal conflicts in Turkey, Somalia, Darfur, Pakistan, the Mexican drug cartels, Libya, Yemen, Sinai, Sudan, the Congo and the Ukraine. Those are all areas where over a thousand deaths have uh, been recorded in the last year. Why would we want to switch on the news when there's so much horror in the world? There's so much suffering. And we'd be forgiven for just being a little bit numb to it. We just want to ignore it, we want to shut it out. We want to concentrate on this, well, our loving family our family, especially at this time. Aren't we crying out for world peace? And the Jews at the time that this was written, that was happening to them. The Assyrians were on the rampage. They were conquering all the territories around. Isaiah covers about uh, a little over 50 years, from about five, 750 BC to 700 BC and just a, a little bit beyond. And the Assyrians, at that time, they conquer all the nations around. Then they conquer the northern kingdoms, Israel. And they're knocking on the doors of Judah at this time. They must have seen horror and death, their relatives, their friends from other countries, being conquered. And atrocities happening in those wars, just as we see atrocities happening in our wars. We have copies of Isaiah that date back to over 300 BC. So we know what was, went on, and we know that this, as a prophecy, is, is still in its original state. We ha still have copies of those. So anyone who says that 
well, it was changed to match the, the, the stories about Jesus. Well, we have copies from before Jesus' time, over 300 years beforehand. What followed for the Jews was 700 years of being dominated and ruled over, of being exiled and mistreated by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, the Persians, finally the Romans, just at Jesus' time, the Romans were conquering over them. And so this nation of Jews would have grasped any hope that they could. And there was this, this great passage here that was promising them hope, a light in their darkness. And so they were, they were the people who walked in darkness, just as those people who are living in those war zones now probably can't see an end to this darkness. They see their, their country torn apart. They see people dominating over them. They see fighting. They see atrocities happening all around them. They are living in darkness. And so they, should, they will be grasping at hope. And so there's this promise. Let me read it out again. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in, the, in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations as, and you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoils. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned for, as fuel for the fire. Isn't that a wonderful vision? Every bit of weaponry, every tool for war and military clothing will be disposed. And how's this going to come about? Well, we know that the answer isn't war. They're discussing that, I know, in the British Parliament at the moment, but I know that that will be a discussion all over the world. The answer, well, I'm not going to argue about the rights and wrongs, but the, the true answer isn't war, because war begets war. The terrorism that we face, we see now, we know is a consequence of the horrors and atrocities, the war from previous generations. So how do we stop this? Well, there's a bigger problem, isn't there? And it's a problem of anger. It's a problem of suffering. It's the problem of hate. It's the root that is in every single one of us because every single one of us at some time, I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I mean, even after years of being Christian, even after years of, uh, of having to deal with, with students and children, after kind of learning patience and, and trying to be kind, I do get really angry at some children sometimes. And I get angry at my colleagues. And I get angry when I'm on the road and somebody cuts me up. Who, which of us isn't guilty of that? And so there's, there's a problem with all of us. And it's not just anger. Those conflicts, the anger is caused by our own selfishness and greed and stubbornness. Our pride that says that we're right and other people are wrong and the inability to see what, uh, why, when other people are suffering. 
see when we're hurting other people. And sometimes we even want to hurt other people. And that is a problem with us. And so we need this Savior. We need somebody to come in and change us. And let's have a look at this Savior. Sorry, I haven't got it on the, on the, the screen. What are the names given to him? Wonderful Counselor, that should strike you straight away. If you know anything about great leaders in history, you know that often the greatest leaders were some of the most difficult people. They weren't nice people to live with. They, they didn't treat their families well. They didn't treat their people well, but they got things done. They were great military leaders. They, they were great reformers, but actually kind people, people who are wise and listening. How many of the great leaders of the world today could we call wonderful counselor or even counselor? I know that people in Britain would certainly not call David Cameron wonderful counselor. Would, I, I, I'm, I'm sure the Americans would probably say that uh, President Obama, very few people would call him wonderful counselor. These people tend to have ideas, strong will to go, go forth. But do they listen? Are they wise? Well, history tells. Let's see what else he, uh, this, this um, savior was called. Prince of Peace. Well, that's not surprising. We see these, uh, these ideas of battle and war finishing forever. So Prince of Peace, it's right and proper that he's called Prince of Peace. Finally, Everlasting Father and Mighty God. Isn't that unusual? If you went into the local mosque and said that you were God, what would happen to you? <laughs> At best, it would probably be, get out. At worst, who knows what would happen to you? You'd probably be strung up. Well, I've heard it said that Jesus never admits to being God in the New Testament. And that's not true. But if you read the prophecies, this among many, the Jews would have been in no doubt that this guy who was going to come, this Messiah, this Savior, this Son of David, this Son of Man, is going to be God. He is going to be God, and he's going to bring about an everlasting peace. Of the increase of his, uh, his government and peace, there will be no end. At this point, you might be right in asking, well, Jesus came over 2,000 years ago. Where, where is our peace? Where is the end to war? Where is this promise? Where is the light of this Savior? And you would be right in asking that, because that is the promise. If Jesus is the Messiah and he is God, then surely we have everlasting peace. Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. What do we make of that? Well, the Jews were wrong in thinking that this Messiah that was going to come was going to be another military leader like David. The solution, as we've talked about before, is not a physical one. We can't keep on retaliating, replying with war against war. Instead, the solution has to be a spiritual one. It has to be one that changes us from the inside. 
So, we need a savior, someone who will end war, someone who did end war. The work is done. But it's on the inside. It's within each of us. Each of us has to stop fighting. And that is what Jesus does. Our selfishness, our greed and stubbornness need to be changed and we need a saviour. So the only question really is whether you accept this saviour. Many people will reject Jesus. Uh, Many people do reject Jesus. Uh, partly because they don't uh, think that they, he's irrelevant, but mostly because they don't think they need a saviour. I'm not so bad. I was talking to a girl this week and, and saying, well, we need to be fixed, and I, I'm sorry if I can't fix things. And she wouldn't admit, she wouldn't acknowledge that that we need to be fixed. Well, I think that that's, that's part of the fact that I'm a Christian, that I know that I need to be fixed, that I am broken. And those of us here who are Christians have taken that step. That first step is to admit that we are broken, that we can't fix ourselves, that that selfishness, stubbornness, and greed, there is nothing that we can do about it. We can, we can try and be better people. We can look around and see examples of better people. There's no way that we can fix that. It's still there on the inside. We still want things for ourselves. We still get angry. We still think that we are better than other people. I want to end uh, this sermon on what is probably the most famous verse, uh, verses in the Bible today. John 3:16 to 21 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That means us. If we believe in him, we have eternal life. That everlasting peace and growth of his kingdom has already started. We are in that eternal kingdom. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the, the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. And can you see these next words? Read these next words in your head with me. The light has come into the world, and the people have loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works are evil. were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come into the light, lest his works be exposed. Do you see the words that Jesus is saying there? Every Jew who heard those words would have had the echoes of Isaiah 9 in their heads. The light has come unto their darkness, for unto us a son is born. Into the gloom, into the light, this Messiah has come. You see, the light has come into the world. Jesus is saying the light is here. He's talking about himself. John starts with talking about Jesus as the light of the world. But whoever does uh, does what is true uh, comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. 
So Jesus is this light. Jesus is the one who brings about everlasting peace of the increase of his government and kingdom. That is the kingdom of Jesus. And if we accept Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, everlasting Father, that's God who accepts you in as his children, we become part of that kingdom. And that kingdom is growing. Because as Christians here, we are part of that kingdom. That peace is happening right now and will continue. So, again the question, will you embrace this light or hide away from it because you think that your deeds, your sins, your selfishness, either they don't need changing, they don't need fixing, or because you don't want to. So if you reject Jesus, it's because you don't think you need fixing or because you don't want to. There are plenty of examples in the Bible of people who just didn't want to change. It's a step that each of us as Christians have taken. So if you're here today and you haven't taken that step, I'm not asking you to do it straight away, but do talk to somebody who's a Christian here today. For those of you who are Christians, continue to strive for this peace. Love as Jesus loved. Be a light to the world. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you came in as light to the world. That you are the promise and hope in the darkness. Lord, when we see these things happening on the news, Lord, we pray for peace. Lord, especially at this time of Christmas, Lord, we pray for peace. We pray that even after the wars happen, even if uh, our governments go to war with, with Syria and all these other countries that are causing uh, such horrible things to happen, we pray that even after all of that happens, they, they can reach out in love afterwards. So, Lord, we pray for peace. And, Lord, we pray that you can flood our lives, our families, our church with your joy and your peace at this time of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.